0: Welcome to the Rainbow Room, our podcast about writing, representation, and gay stuff. This is season three, episode 28, The Other Two. Hello everyone, I'm Andrew. My name is Eric. And today we have special guest Dylan Guerra. Hey, what's up?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Woo! Welcome to we're,
0: we're really <laughs> excited to have you, Dylan. Uh so Dylan actually wrote for season three of the other two. He was one of the writers and we're so excited to talk with him. And we are going to be talking about the uh as we always do with T V series, talking about the pilot. Um, and I'm very curious also to hear Dylan's perspective on like what it was like when he first saw that and how
2: that influenced him. And yeah, how you doing, Dylan? I'm good. You know, strike times. We're doing I also something that I um, deeply love about podcast recordings is that like um, um, I have to pretend like I just like clicked on and started doing the podcast and that we haven't been talking for like 10 minutes <laughs> um, um, so it's sort of like yeah she writes but she she has to act a little bit sometimes too <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah I'm good you know I mean we're what day 60 something of the strike now and we are, d- we're deep in it <laughs> (laughs) uh so things feel a little bit like life's on life's not on hold it's like uh life's on on the line right now on Mm. the on the picket line um but we're good we're good it's summer the air is bad um (laughs) we are single uh we are (laughs) figuring it out Yeah, really that you're
0: using. <laughs>
2: had, asking me how I am literally I had strep this week that I got at a pride party so like mm. oh how my I god okay this
0: this <laughs> actually leads into the question we like to ask all our guests which is what's the gayest thing you did this week and if you need time to think Eric and I can go first
2: no uh oh yeah you guys go first you guys go first
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay the gayest thing I did this week was uh I I was like what's the most gay and this like specific moment I was downstairs there's, uh with with my friend. Uh he lives a floor below me, and we were getting ready to go to the bar. And he had like he was wearing a shirt and then he had two other shirts. And it was just like, which one of these? Uh and that like that specifically felt very gay. I was like, that's not, not an experience I have with my straight friends where they have like three different options all ironed and ready to go for the night, and they're asking me to help choose, and they're already wearing one. Uh and then like that also leads into another gay thing, which is I bought a new bathing suit. I bought like short board shorts, which which I was due because my board shorts were too long and they're really cute. And my friend helped me pick them out. So
1: Mm, sweet. Um, I would say the gayest thing I did this week is, you know, I'm I'm always going to bring in the emotional side of it. Uh, I've just (laughs) been watching now more than ever. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. And like, I've been watching a bunch of her like videos uh, from her concert. And she's been playing a lot of songs that like I like, she doesn't play like the same, like there's a, a portion where she doesn't play the same songs for like every show. And recently she's been playing a lot of my favorite songs during that portion. And I've been like watching TikToks and like crying to them and being like, <laughs> this is the best thing ever. And just like, really letting that sink into the emotion of it um yeah oh, that's always gonna go ahead and be the gayest thing I've done this week <laughs> yeah you've been making those really fun
0: tiktoks of the sped up Taylor Swift songs
1: oh my you, like, gosh them. they're so good they're so watchable they're so fun to make picture me in my bedroom at like 4am making like 20 of them and I may be high a little bit but <laughs> I just love to make them they're so fun yeah
2: okay my, my gayest thing that I did this week was two days ago i had strep from pride as i ha- will probably bring up like nine more times in this podcast um <laughs> strep from pride i am like sideways on my couch um like spooning probiotic yogurt into my mouth because the pill that i take to get rid of strep uh messes with your stomach and i'm watching twister and um twister is a perfect film i could uh, we could talk about twister for the duration of this but uh um... <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there's this, there's just a scene in Twister where the new fiance of um the main guy uh it, of um Bill Paxton I didn't even I just needed to pull up google I didn't even google anything um, <laughs> Bill Paxton's new fiance steps out of a truck and she has these like little sunglasses on and she is like harried from a tornado and I truly just compulsively at my tv was like girl and like that's the gayest to me that's the gayest thing i have mm. done was was like kind of try to like read a woman from a movie in 1996 Like, wow. thick and like truly <laughs> like looking like a disaster that's beautiful i love this that's beautiful so good. tapestry
1: the beautiful tapestry we've painted yes
2: <laughs> dude i i
0: love if if you uh go to our instagram i've been like making um like the profile picture of the person and like the snippet of the gayest thing they did that week and they're so fascinating they're all so varied it's so interesting like go through and read them it's like yeah i it will i will
2: yeah
0: oh i was saying that to our listeners but yeah also dylan you <laughs> go, oh go there, <laughs>
2: I am a listener.
0: Um. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's talk about. Uh, first of all, I really want to talk about your experience. Uh, Lynn, let's start yeah. with how, uh, what's your like writing background? How did you end up being able to join this writer's room? And what was that all like?
2: Yeah. So uh, oof, I'll tell the like shortened version so that we can get into like the thick of it. But um, I, so I'm, I came from the playwriting world. I'm a playwright in New York City. Um, and I had been sort of, n- do you, you know, I'm a member of different. Playwriting groups, and I, I've i had a couple of playwriting fellowships and things like that. So, like my uh my like work, had, I wouldn't. I haven't had like a major off Broadway production or anything like that. But I've had uh my work had just sort of like been around, and I had this solo show uh called Find Him that I did at Ars Nova's Ant Fest, and then it originally was at Dixon Place, and then it got picked up for a while by Ars Nova, and it was done periodically there. Um, and you performed and, in this. This was uh, yeah, you a solo show. show. It's an autobiographical. Solo show about oh, cool. um, so she does she, act. She does, she does act, she does act about a, a guy that I uh was casually seeing who one night told me that he was going to disappear and then he went missing. Um and then I tried to find him and I uh cr- I like chronicled my search and looking for this guy and I made it this solo show. Um and it did really well and people seem to really This is a true
0: story. It. This is a true story. story, yeah. It's
2: top a hundred percent a true thing. he wasn't um uh, uh, the show peels it away in this so i guess it's sort of a light spoiler alert for this solo show i was doing but um uh it's not like he was missing and the police were looking for him there wasn't like an open investigation he like went missing he moved out of his apartment he deleted all of his social media and nobody knew where he was and so like and he didn't Um, tell anybody where he was going other than i'm assuming his family because there wasn't like an actual investigation so i chronicled my search looking for this guy and i made it the solo show and i uh, Like right before the pandemic, I turned it into a pilot Um, because then I had at that at this point I had representation. I had an agent and a manager and I um I'm very sort of like a am a pretty practical person in the sense of like I don't want to. um When I was writing plays and doing them in basements, I would write plays that would take place in basements. I'm not very big on like I didn't want to write a play that was like Angels in America and, and spectacular and full of sets and buzzes. Budget and stuff. When I knew that I couldn't execute it myself, and so writing for TV and film was something that felt like it was too the, the it was too gate capped for me to feel like it was worth my time writing it. Which now I have like a different perspective on. But um, and then when I, once I got an agent and stuff, I was like, oh, now I actually can send this in chance of it getting made or getting staffed on a show or something. And so I wrote this pilot, find him, and it uh wound up. Uh, and then and then what had happened? Um, and then uh, Chris and sarah chris kelly and sarah schneider the creators of the other two were looking for a play specifically they wanted to hire a playwright for season three Whoa. and they or, or so so i heard <laughs> and i actually never asked them because i never i never wanted to know if i was a flu. <laughs> um and i uh and my manager sent them my pilot on a thursday uh they read it oh i'm sorry sent it on a friday they read it that friday morning they asked to have a meeting with me on friday night um i had not finished watching Watching season two my mom is in town it is her birthday um and I'm like uh mom for your birthday we have to cancel all of your birthday plans we have uh, to uh, uh, I have to watch all of season two because I have a meeting Saturday morning at 9 a.m or 10 a.m with the creators of this show because they're looking to hire someone and I think I have a chance we watch it then the next morning I have a meeting that I find out on the following Wednesday that I got it and then truly one week later one week and and the day after so that was on a Wednesday and then they Thanksgiving was the following Thursday. That Friday, I was on a flight to New York and we started the room on that Monday. So truly, like I it was like uh in in one week, my entire life changed in like a very like tangible, very practical, very insane way.
0: That's incredible. So you mentioned by the time uh how you already had representation. So how did you get you said you had an agent and a manager? Was this just from your one-man show?
2: It was partly from my one-man show, and I had a I had a series of plays that had I was in um, I was in Ars Nova's play group. My solo show was probably my most like quote unquote like popular thing that I did, but I had a play at, uh, um, I have several plays like in circulation and then I was a member of Ars Nova's play group of P73's Interstate 73 and uh, Youngblood, and EST's Youngblood. So those are like three rather prestigious uh, like playwriting fellowships. And so my, my name just started, like it was just like, it's one of those like fluke things that's like funny to to talk about where I had been doing these like off 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 Broadway like shows and basements for like years and years and years and then I I got a bunch of things sort of back to back so that for like four months my name just sort of circulated and that was sort of how I got that was how an, an agent happened that's it was incredible. Like kind of a very like practical way <laughs> no no no, that's really cool I mean that's kind of the story
0: you want to hear right is it sounds like you worked and worked and worked and you were doing a lot of different things and then it all kind of started coming together and yeah. once you kind of hit a tipping point and, and it sounds like it it wasn't even necessarily like one big moment. It was just kind of like a combination of of all your yeah, effort.
2: It, it was yeah, it was the other two was definitely one big moment. And then the other, like the other big tipping point for me was um, this is actually, <laughs> I guess, you know, we're talking gay. Um, I went through a really intense breakup um in August of 2021. Um, and one week after the breakup, I had a movie pitch for a film that I had been drafting uh about uh a demon that feeds off people's heartbreak which was i did not think i would be single at the time that i was pitching this movie um, oh. and I pitched it and i sold it and so suddenly i had this like big cre- and then that was something that like helped the dominant uh, you know i think of it i think of a career as like specifically with writing as like my job is being creative and like obviously following like the the things that i care about writing about and engaging with my own voice but i'm also um it from like a business perspective I guess I'm sort of being conscious that I am stacking the dominoes in the right places with the right distance between that when one falls it'll create some sort of chain reaction. Um, And so I was pretty lucky that these things in my life happened relatively close together and back to back. Um, But I haven't worked on another series since the other two wrapped in 2022 and that's one of the reasons why we're striking because of the mini room structure um, which I could talk about for 900 hours but I... (laughs) yeah what was it like uh working on the show it was a blast I had a blast um (laughs) it was you know it was it was bonkers uh I like I I I was thinking knowing I was cutting on this podcast I was thinking about like how I wanted to talk about what the process of like writing was in the room but every day was sort of its own thing you know it's like we could we could pull up episodes of season three and I think it would probably be impossible for me to pause it and be like and that joke was mine or like (laughs) and that joke was Jimmy's Uh, you know like because it was such a there was there was such a synergy in our room and all of us are still really close and we have a group chat that's like constantly going um ah that's fantastic oh yeah jimmy jimmy gilly uh me jimmy and moss and alice and silverman all live in new york and gilly lives in la um and we were the we were the five writers in addition to chris and sarah and uh jimmy's become like one of my best friends and we uh i love i have undying love for him but um it was it was fun you know i mean what we how we structured the sh- the season uh was we we came in and we talked about uh chris and sarah were really smart they're wonderful and we started from a place of like what do we want to talk about and not like uh not even necessarily like what are we trying to say like what's the capital like t theme but we were like what are we gonna dissect and uh I, i'll talk about this one more so because we are on, on the rainbow Room, uh podcast but um uh we were really interested in dissecting a queer friendship where one person person is taking off and the other person isn't uh, or where one person uh, like uh, the way that success can cause strains on specifically queer relationships mm. um, and then it became uh, just pulling and pulling from that you know and then, it, and then we just it just became uh, pulling on those threads in a way that I think uh, was really rewarding and so like we knew early on that we wanted to pull the Curtis and Carrie friendship apart at, by the seams spoiler alert um, and we knew that we wanted uh to have all of the characters get what they want and then have to deal with having what they wanted um and then a lot of the humor just sort of came from there and and then like uh you know i'll always remember where we were when where i was when the um uh what's his name uh uh succession guy who plays ken on succession uh Uh, oh my God. I can't. Apparently,
0: all I have to do is pull up Google. You don't even have to search anything. Exactly.
2: (laughs) Uh, Jeremy Strong. I almost said John Armstrong, which is not a name, (laughs) but... Uh I like the Jeremy Strong article about being a method actor, uh ooh, the uh came out while we were in week one of our writer's room. Maybe it had come out like the week before, but we it was sort of top of mind. And we all read it as a writer's room together. And not to say that Lucas uh it, Lucas Moy is based at all off of uh uh Jeremy Strong, but that it's based off this like method actor zeitgeist that you're seeing pop up in different places and all of that. And so like it was sort of like like having that was like a tentpole thing that we knew we were going to write but um so we had like three weeks of blue sky um in LA so we wrote three weeks in LA uh and then the the remaining 12 were supposed to be in New York but we wound up having to do three weeks on zoom because of Omicron and then we did the last nine weeks in New York um and that was because Chris had was moving from LA to New York and so they decided to move and um they, and our uh uh above average the production offices were in New York anyway so they decided to move every thing to New York for the writer's room which I liked because I'm a big like I love being home and having my space and like (laughs) week three of living in and granted like I was living in a penthouse in Beverly Hills and I had like a Malibu Chevy and I was living this like glam life but by week three I was like I miss I love cooking and I was like I miss I miss cooking I miss cooking so much (laughs) and um and I miss like having my like life uh and so I was happy that we got to come into New York and bring those experiences but our first three weeks in the room were just us sort of being like what is this season gonna feel like what are some big jokes you know a lot of things that didn't make it into the show uh there was without going well I I guess now that there's not not, no there's no season four I guess I can like say there was originally this whole uh, arc about a yacht that we were gonna do that then got like scrapped because we were like eh it doesn't feel like it's really gonna play the full season there was a mystery element we were gonna put in so it was just sort of like us just spitballing for three weeks trying to figure out the things that we thought were funniest and that was where we got like um, the Lucas of it all that's where we got like we knew that Pat was going to essentially become Oprah this season Um, and we knew that she was going to be like a a woman in a prison of her own making in a way we knew that Brooke was going to quit the industry and like be obsessed with being good we knew Lance was going to become a nurse like it's where like the sort of big swaths of like uh, we knew we were going to do we knew that we wanted to do a Broadway episode we didn't know what it was going to be like we knew uh, we put together like what every was going to be what the show was going to feel like this season um and that was also where the conscious decision was made to like we're gonna like really crank the style up oh man
0: i am like just getting so excited just like thinking about it just listening to you talk <laughs> because it
2: sounds so fun like it just sounds like a blast it was it was a blast i mean you know like there are as with any show like there are days that are easier than other days like there is a um one of my favorite days in the room was when we when we cracked brooke being a ghost uh truly like most of the most of the jokes in that episode were made uh, like in one day in the writer's room which is like pretty unusual where we were just like really cooking with gas and we were like oh my god this 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 mm-hmm. and then we, and then it, and then structuring and actually writing it but like the bulk of the jokes were written in like several hours at least in my like bad shitty memory Um, <laughs> like I, from what I remember that's how I watch like cut to like what actually happened and it was like seven weeks of us just trying to figure out what happened to Brooke and that Ellen's birthday party but um i but that there would be days where like we uh it took us forever to figure out what globby was going to be for we knew that we wanted we were to talk about queer representation and animated stuff and how it's just sort of like blink and you miss it but to to figure out what specifically it should be it took forever it, he was a fish at one point he was something like and and those days are like it's fun because you're like everyone's frustrated everyone's tired we're all like holy shit we can't crack this thing and then you zoom out and you're like we're trying to figure out, like, what shitty gay animated character that's in a show for, like, one second uh, Carrie's gonna voice and be a complete like, buffoon about. And, like, that is, like... So, like, even when it's hard, it's still sort of this, like, joyous like, ugh, I just get to be in a room and be, like, stupid. And sometimes being stupid is, like, the hardest thing in the world. Because I'm so fucking smart. No, um... Because... <laughs> because, <laughs> because, like, it it just... Yeah. It, so it's, it's wacky. It's wild. Uh, this,
0: for... Uh, our listeners who aren't as familiar, what does it mean to crack something? Like, what does that term
2: mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I people have you know, I guess like breaking story. It's just, it's just like breaking story is just figuring out the things that are gonna work. Uh, Got it. Perfect. That, you know, That's what, succinct. Yeah. What's the A to B of the thing. What is the you know? What's the hijinks of the episode? What's the game gonna be? Fig- identifying what it is.
0: Yeah. I think we should probably uh cut to our break now. Let's watch the show. Woo! At this point, we watch the pilot of the other two. 13-year-old Chase Dubeck goes viral on YouTube under the moniker Chase Dreams and becomes a famous singer overnight. His two older siblings, Carrie and Brooke Dubeck, are forced to deal with Chase's sudden newfound fame. Carrie, an aspiring gay actor, experiences a humiliating audition for a commercial, while former dancer Brooke has left her shoe-designing boyfriend, Lance, and is in the middle of a career transition. Carrie is confused about the intentions of his roommate, Matt, who claims to be straight, but consistently gives Carrie romantic signals. Brooke and Carrie have dinner with their supportive mother, Pat Dubeck, who introduces them to Chase's new narcissistic manager, Streeter. And we're back!
2: Wow, I've watched all 30 episodes in that one. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That's
1: insane. That's
2: insane. Uh, okay, wait, so how did y'all first discover the other two? This is funny. So I I was, when they announced that the show was ending, I, you know how like you can search through your own photos? Okay. So I, I typed in the other two just because I thought maybe it would pull up like any of the like pictures that I have from set or anything like that. And it it pulled up. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it again live on my phone right now so that I can actually describe <laughs> it. It pulled up a picture that I took June 16th, 2019 of um of the of the other two. This is my phone, you can't see it if you're listening, but um of the like Emmy for your consideration 2019 poster of the other two that I just like snapped and sent to my friend and was like, this is a really funny show. I think we should watch, I think we should keep watching it because we had watched the first episode and then we like I, I and then we like watched i think we watched the rest of it live or whatever um but i would watch it with my best friend holly in her room we lived together like on her bed where she had a tv because we didn't have a tv in our living room and we would just like binge the show together on her or watch every episode every week on her bed and we thought it was just like the funniest thing that's incredible
0: like what's incredible is that you like loved and respected this show so much and And then got stopped in it. Like that's so cool. I
2: was so nervous to meet them like before my interview. I I've looked up to both of them. Other people is one of my favorite movies. Um oh. Chris Kelly's feature. I like mm-hmm. deeply I like watched that movie then I made my whole family sit down and watch it. And I was like, we're all gonna cry together. Um and then like my family were like, you just wanted us to watch this because you're gay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh I mean I've been out for like 10 years at that point, but I was like I was like yeah, duh like hello.
1: Yes yeah, so um, what? <laughs>
2: yeah. Um and my mom, my mom did cry. Um, my dad did not cry. Um, but yeah, I I I don't know. I, I was a fan of the show before I worked
1: on it. That's incredible. How about you, Eric? I was just living with my roommate, uh, my older roommate, Claire. She and I were in film school together. And I just like, re- I remember hearing about it on Twitter. And then also like, she came out of her room one day and was like, Eric, you have to watch this. You would love this show. <laughs> um, and I just was so like, okay, yeah. She was like, it's gay. And I was like, okay, you sold me. <laughs> so, um <laughs> i watched all of season one like so fast it was back when it was on what was that first it was on t on yeah Yeah. i remember when it was on there and it was such a like the journey to get to watching that like that first season was such like an ordeal because it was like you had to do the whole like what's your tv provider yada 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 i had to like call my mom ask for it whatever and like yeah Once i finally got to i was like oh thank god i did this because there was really (laughs) many things i'm such like a person who like if i'm inconvenienced even the slightest bit i say no um and so i'm glad i pushed through and watched because i was like i love this show it's so good
0: and we had to talk about this moment even though it's not in the pilot but the i am gagging for you oh yeah <laughs> i i had seen that clip like in isolation which that was is... another
2: that was another really early joke in our writer's room that uh she was gonna come back and be like i was horrible back then because we knew we wanted to play into um the being good mm, mm, mm. that moment was just iconic though oh yeah
1: i know i'm jealous of <laughs> wasn't there for it <laughs> it's like it's like on loop in my head constantly i love whenever <laughs> i feel like it always that specific scene always like circulates like throughout twitter like every so often oh yeah and like sometimes during like pride month and stuff
0: yeah okay let's i'm gonna just briefly talk about some moments i wanted to shout out i do love in the pilot how they start this out and like first of all, and this is kind of the whole show i do love how supportive the family is of each other mm. um and i think that helps stomach how much of like a train wreck uh brook and carrie's lives are because it's like throughout that they're like have these like beacons of support um and it, it's so smart how they introduce it with like the uh he they're doing the interview of chase dreams and the mom is being supportive and bringing up his siblings and then they're like oh what are they up to now and they're just like hard cut to where they are in their miserable lives yeah it's literally carrie auditioning for a fart commercial and uh Brooke squatting in the apartment she's supposed to be selling
2: yeah um i know i love i mean chris and sarah are really one of the things that i, I loved about working on the show and what I, I and i'm this way in my own writing um separate from the show uh they're they're big on structure. They're big on structure. Like they uh in a way that I love. Like I the hard cut, the top like something that I loved. I'm maybe jumping the gun here a little bit, but something that I loved about going back and re-watching this pilot that I feel like I of course once I was like staffed on the show, I then like rewatched the series like three times, like a crazy. I have like so I have so much carry in me of like, and now I must do like a perfect job and and, and therefore I must be like not a human for <laughs> however long it takes. Um and uh but that every character is introduced in in a way that tells you everything you really need to know about them like i love that we meet mm. streeter, and instantly in the first minute of streeter he's like I, and i fucked up and i uh, i actually fucked up and i actually i hurt your brother and then we have like we meet lance via a dab and surprise he's coming to dinner the whole family loves him we meet the kids uh like we meet brooke and carrie like how you said where it's like and how are their lives cut and we get this like snapshot of what a disaster their lives are and even each one, um, like you meet uh, Lance on an act break, which just for people listening, would be like you meet Lance and then it goes to commercial break. Like, and then you meet Streeter sort of at the top of the next uh, act. Like it's so it's so well formatted that we get to meet these characters and then play with them um, instead of us just sort of like uh, happenstantially meeting them and then being like, how do they fit? Like they're talked about and then they're there. And then we get to like see comedic beats with them. That's for almost every character that's introduced in the pipeline. in a way that I'm just like so awestruck by how it's like a it's a very like what I would refer to as like it's a very teachable pilot in the sense that it's like a very good if you want to talk about the rules of comedy you can use this pilot as an example of like this is the structure that it's following this is why it's funny this is why it's working that's amazing and you you as you said like you weren't
0: really a tv writer before this in terms mm-hmm. of like even you, you didn't even think it was kind of going to be in your
2: realm so. no i mean i had i had written I, I had written the pilot to find him which is how i got south on the show and i had written i had converted another play of mine into a pilot um but now i'm like now i mostly work in tv but yeah okay
0: so you had at least i was gonna say like how did you did you study the structure did you take courses on that or like
2: uh no i mean i'm uh i've been working in comedy for a long time like pre like i was I had my player Writing life, and then like I was one of those people. That, like I had a house team at the pit, and like I did the UCB comedy classes, and I did the sketch writing classes, and I was in this show called Queer Ball for a bit. And like so, I had done. And my um, I am by no means an emo baby. My dad is a stand-up comedian on cruise ships, and my mom founded the first professional improv company in Miami. So like I had been around sort of like comedy, and so I I am like a big uh nerd. But it's funny because like that part of my life felt so separate. You know. Like, like, like the the comedy part of my life and the like TV, I'm a writer part of my life felt like two different parts of me that no longer, like thanks to the other two largely, don't they don't feel that separate anymore.
0: That's so cool. I didn't know you did UCB. I didn't know you're also like an improviser. That's awesome.
2: Yeah, I was never like on a house team. I never auditioned for the house teams or anything like that for UCB. I kind of did the classes and then was sort of like, I'm going to do my own thing um, and left. I think I auditioned once for a house improv team and I fell flat on my face and was bad. <laughs> hey we love failure we love risks oh yeah there's no bigger risk than when you're in a fluorescent room with like a panel of like improv gods and you're like i'm just gonna like step off the back line and say like (laughs) well isn't this weather insane you know And like your seeing partner's like what, and then you're like what, and then they're like next. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, Please Very go. easy. <laughs> oh, I also wanted to talk about the
0: uh, Matt and Carrie, uh, the straight guy uh, relationship. Oh my
2: god!
1: Oh, the straight roommate
2: i i love the straight room it's such a you know i'm not talking i'm talking about season one and like my experience watching it as like a queer person like it was like that was representation we deeply needed (laughs) and we got in this pilot of of like living with the straight like i don't know have y'all had like weird i've for sure had like weird like uh but i'm straight thing like i like dated a guy for two months who was straight and it was like i was like his like and then but like we were never boyfriends we were like our own weird thing and it was like i just like i'm obsessed with you but i'm not gay i like women mm. you know like and and like to see that represented i feel like it's like part of the queer experience is like pining oh yeah drink.
1: yeah i feel like um like this in this pilot is so I'm all, I'm talking about this because I had just binged all of season 2 yesterday um We got fun. but there's that one there's that one plot pot line in season 2 where Carrie like goes on a date or like just like goes on dates with that um one actor who's like queer baiting constantly totally and so hearing you bring like remind me of like the straight roommate plot line it's so interesting to see like carrie sort of just like this continuous fascination with like i think like by the time we have that plot line with that queer baiting actor carrie has grown from it a little bit but it still is like a reminder of where carrie has come from and how carrie still struggles with but totally like, and yeah
2: and that was a conscious decision in season three that we didn't want to have any sort of like straight storyline with Carrie um, there is of mm-hmm. course that he can't have sex with his boyfriend because he's always in character and he's in character as different <laughs> people like can have sex but they but we were conscious that we wanted to have a character who's like encountering their queerness and embracing it full face um, because he doesn't embrace his queerness in season one like that's part of his whole thing is that he has a hard time navigating it and then it, it's sort of exacerbated in season two and then so we were interested in season three of being like what if that's no longer a struggle for him and instead it's like how do I now capitalize on queerness, and so that's where like globby comes from that's where like being the calvin klein model or uh the i mean not really the burrito weekly but you know the the photo shoot you know that's where all of that stuff sort of lives in that sort of how does he engage with his queerness world
1: yeah oh my god yeah, the, so, I was, he, you go oh, i was gonna say like yeah to me, I guess because I am my like as gay men, I'm like I see the gay character and I'm like very fascinated by like that character and like really analyzing that person and so like just Carrie's whole journey and like I'm only like a couple of episodes into season three, but like a scene that really stuck out to me was in the season three episode one after like Carrie has them watch all the movie and then it's just like the credits roll as he's like scrolling all of like the stuff about like night nurse and he's just like there like hmm, like look like, at it I'm like Carrie is such, like, I the show is so, like, about, like, media consumption and, like, how yeah. it can, like, turn your life into so many different directions. And so watching Carrie sort of constantly go viral for insane things, like, it's totally. such an interesting thing.
2: Yeah. And that's also partially where, like, um, going back to the pilot of season one, something that I, like, really deeply love about season, uh, about that pilot also. And it's something that I think the show has, uh, does really well um, and was one of the things that I was most proud of from season three. In season one, uh, it's the it's the last scene where uh, they're finally with Chase dreams and they're uh, in their hot- in his hotel and they're having you know there's like a funny back and forth where it's like they got he got flowers from Deborah Messing and then he crawls into bed and he's like yeah like I-, I can't wait to hang out with you guys and they're like we're not coming to Ohio and he's like when I'm back in New York like Streeter says I'm gonna be back here all the time I'm gonna do I'm gonna do school online and they're like oh that's good and like it's not played for laughs it's actually played for I mean of course there's a sort of humor to it, but it's actually like pointing at how sad this kid's life is going to become and be, yeah, in a way that it's like we sort of the show does a really fun job of like landing the landing the plane in these sort of like oh uncomfortable emotional places for the characters. Um mm-hmm. which I think I don't want to because you haven't you because you haven't finished. But I uh I haven't finished but like spoilers I <laughs> don't you know I am know. I'm I'm still gonna, gonna like get all of it. <laughs> but season three ends you know the ending where we wanted to end the season Series was in a way that was like you know or and the season in a way that was like that yeah um and so like the last episode sort of has uh it doesn't play into the comedy structure of season three it doesn't play a lot into the comedy structures and it actually has them sort of sitting and dealing with their problems and there's a lot longer scenes mm-hmm. and a lot longer conversations than there usually are in a comedy um and they're really like sort of at each other's throats um emotionally um mm-hmm. Speaking specifically to like the the Curtis Carey conversation at the end with the table where he's like, you know, in a perfect comedy, Curtis would be like, yeah, like, you're back, like, come back. You know, uh, I'm your friend again, but that's not exactly where it lands. It lands like, okay, we're going to rebuild things in a, in a very soft, um, way that's still funny, you know, and then they're like looking at dick pics together and it's still like, <laughs> it's still the other two. Uh, but it's, it's also Chris and Sarah are really good at giving the show permission to like be the thing that it needs to be and that it wants to be to say what it wants to say. And, and we sort of like all of the writers in the room for the show. Um, and I think the actors as well, um, really, uh, really know that and take that and ran with that and so uh i don't know it was fun to work on a thing that could also have like a a strong emotional weight instead of it just being like a what i call like a two joke per page um (laughs) like sketch thing you know yeah yeah Um, that that was like i forgot that that moment was in the pilot and so like i rewatched it this morning and i was like oh yeah oh this is like i love this stuff
1: (laughs) I, i feel like that speaks to what you were saying about the how the showrunners like love just like structure and i felt like yeah the show could have so easily been something where it was like jokes 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 punching you in the face but then like yeah these incredibly human moments are so sobering i feel like for the actors and the audience like i like when i was in my like season two binge yesterday i was just like getting so awash with like all the jokes and missing some of them but then when we get later in and there's like the more serious moments i was like really clued in because i was like it's so rare when we get these human moments and that's why it makes them so special and makes the show so human and universal i feel like and that's why it is so sad to me that the show is ending because I'm like I could watch this for days and yeah. days and days like this is such a good show it it feels like an ending at season three is yeah. okay cool I'm excited
2: like uh, it, you know uh, I think also another thing that we're conscious of uh, uh, at least uh, so I have been told they're conscious of every season it's like uh, you never know when people are going to choose to step away you never know if, if you're going to get cancelled you never know that but like beyond those the and you know the show wasn't cancelled the showrunners made the decision to end the show and but beyond those the beyond like that i think something that they're really conscious of is they they want every season to feel like it's telling a complete story you know i think so many shows that are out right now and we're in like we're in like a funny time in tv where i feel like there there's a lot of shows that i deeply love that are coming out like severance there's a lot of show like uh um you know i mean this is now like we're a little past this but like i may destroy you uh flea well, bag uh, fleabag like we sort of all, we've had these this like run of these really incredible really moving really challenging fun shows but i think also we're a little inundated with content and so a lot of these tv shows are relying on like what's the cliffhanger that's going to keep people coming back and i think something that i really respect and admire in chris and sarah is that they're like not interested in the cliffhanger i mean they are interested in like you being invested in where a story is going to go but they don't want you to get to the end of a season and you're like oh what happened you know like yeah, especially when it comes to like a, a comedy and especially when it comes to like i don't know it would feel weird like what you were saying eric like we're making a show about media consumption right so it would be weird to be like this show about media consumption is ending on a cliffhanger that's going to make you want to consider you know like it, it that feels sort of like not the point <laughs> the point of the yeah. show is not it's not game of thrones you know
1: but <laughs> you know
2: and we know how that happened where that went but uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh one thing i did want to talk about too
0: is just like we always talk about the authenticity of the representation i think actually uh, dylan it was good for me to hear you say that you have had an experience like drew and matt because since i haven't i was like is this authentic but it sounds like you're like no this is this is really authentic <laughs> yeah
2: yeah it's you know it's uh, that's authentic <laughs>
0: <laughs> and we and so this uh for, for season one and obviously for all the seasons there. are there were queer writers in the room, right? Because there's yeah. the showrunner's queer, right? One of the showrunners is queer, so you have that um, queer actor. Like, so I, I do like a lot of the authenticity in this show.
2: Totally, yeah. They, we, you know, there's jokes about representation and what it looks like in throughout pepper throughout the series.
0: Yeah, cool. Well, uh, let's go into final thoughts. Um, I'll, I'll start, Dylan. I think you're incredible. I I've loved listening to everything you said. And I re- what I really like about your takeaway is that you said this is a teachable pilot. I think it makes me want to rewatch it and like study its structure um, even more because that's really cool. And I think it's fun and funny and has some great moments. Oh,
1: thank you. Um, My final thoughts on the show. <laughs> fun. Gay. Straight. <laughs> silly. Media obsessed human and intriguing and i also have one anecdote i want to give about this show i used to be someone i used to be so someone who was like you know that whole trend where it was like oh like watching sex scenes with your parents like that is so awkward whatever 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 and i all growing up as a gay person would only watch like if that ever happened it was always like a straight sex scene and i'd be like "Eh, that's whatever i don't really care like that's not embarrassing to like witness that but then my mom and i watched season one of other two together and harry has sex in that season and that's when i realized like oh this is so awkward to watch with a parent (laughs) is to watch a same sex like sex scene um so for people who had that mindset you could you'll learn like it's just as awkward for it no matter what the sexuality is (laughs) (laughs) um my final thought is uh, thanks. It's
2: thanks and gratitude. Um, it feels endlessly surreal to have been like a small part of something that I think has impacted or, or affected or made people laugh and has felt specifically gay. Um, which I think also like I wow, am I gonna cry? No, I'm not gonna cry. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's just like you know, you spend so much of your life, especially like uh, I, I, we're all in the same age group, and so uh, you know, it wasn't particularly easy for us as like little queer kids, uh, growing up and where we were where like uh the idea that i'm like now on this like podcast talking about having written on a show that's a comedy about sort of the gay experience and like the entertainment industry feels like endlessly surreal um and so i'm just really thankful to have been able to leave some formative imprint on that show and to have met y'all um you guys are both really wonderful and it was really fun chatting with you
0: amazing thank you and i that, that, it's so wonderful to meet you. One last mm. question for you, Dylan, yeah. we, to say goodbye. Can you give advice to any aspiring queer writers, uh, people who maybe would love to write for TV one day? And uh, I am also one of those people that would like advice. Yeah. Okay. The
2: the like the like cliche advice is like you just have like the scariest thing is a blank page. You just have to like write the thing and do the thing and like if you want to make your own work like make your own work. All of that. La da 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 da. Um. And I I'm a strong believer in that my like practical advice for like the the craft of writing and this is like sort of the mountain that i preach from oh two things can i say two things yes please (laughs) uh one is uh write the scenes that that excite you um and don't worry about writing things linear just because we experience a thing linearly doesn't mean it was written linearly like write write the things that are exciting to you and then just trust that you will thread it together because Eventually you will like, you know, I I'm one of those writers that like I get bored in the middle of my work. Um, and so what I started doing was I stopped writing the middle. And then I started while I was writing the end, I started thinking of exciting moments for the middle, and suddenly the middle became exciting to me. Um, but then the other, the other like mountaintop that I shout from is um if your work, if you're writing and you're like, oh my God, this is so predictable, this is so obvious, I know where this is going. Yeah duh you wrote it it should be predictable to you duh like of course like get out of your own fucking way like that's not helpful you are not predictable you are telling a story and maybe somebody will know where it's going but who cares you of course know where it's going you wrote it you made the thing um so just like i'm now i'm nike just do it um gay nike um, just do it <laughs> yeah exactly um so yeah that's that's my that's my advice i really love that uh well thank you so much what a wonderful note thank to end you. on.
0: dylan you've been thank incredible you. i'm so happy to have thank met you it. and this is so much fun uh, yeah you're welcome back on the pod anytime man
2: anytime. yeah bring me back to talk about twister <laughs> oh my god <laughs> Sure. let's do it we'd have to British make a anniversary next year um
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, all right happy. But (laughs) thank you for listening, listeners. Bye. Bye,
1: everyone. Woo. Gay, gay, gay. Gay, 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 gay. gay, gay, gay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) One way you can support entertainment workers affected by the strike is to donate to the Entertainment Community Fund. That's all for this week. If you like the podcast, the best way you can support us is by recommending us to others. You can also subscribe to us and rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube by searching Rainbow Room Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at at Rainbow Room Podcast and Twitter at at Rainbow underscore room underscore. Thanks for listening. See you next week.